Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus what is going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I'm Zach Rizzuto. You guys know Fries is usually here. He's not here today. He's fighting some fires at work, not literally, but couldn't make it today. So we're going to give him the time that he needs to get that done. In the meantime, I'll be here to talk about our wide receiver and tight end rankings today. Yesterday, we went over the quarterback and running back rankings. Today, we're going over a little of our wide receiver rankings, tight end rankings. Um, these are Fries' rankings I'm going to be showing like I did last week. And I'll be giving you some of his insights along with some of my insights alongside them uh, because Fraud's going to be here today. Also, we'll be going over our Thursday night recap. If any of you guys caught the game last night, I'll apologize because that was one of the worst football games I think I've seen in my years of watching football. <laughs> and um, I'm sure it was the same for you guys. Not a very high scoring game at all. No touchdowns at all. You know, plenty of players, even though Jonathan Taylor and Javante Williams were missing, you know, you have to expect that there might have been some touchdowns last night, but. What a shit show it was. They couldn't get a touchdown. Naeem Hines, if you started Naeem Hines, you know, bad luck struck early and often for you. He had a concussion early, and it looked pretty darn close to what Tua suffered a couple weeks ago. That was not a pretty sight seeing him stumbling like he was. Uh, hopefully, he takes the time to get that right, and he's not out too long. Um, we'll be talking about who you can start in the meantime while Naeem Hines is out. Uh, just a tough break. He actually looked, the usage, you know, he was only in for three plays before they went three and out. It was on the third down that he uh, went down. On the two plays that he was in, you know, he did have a rush and a reception. So it looked like he was in line for a big workload, and he just completely missed out because of an unfortunate injury. Um, just tough luck for you there if you started Naeem Hines. Russell Wilson, you know, you just want to say that last play of the game, if you're running a pick play, why are you not looking that way? You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the offense schemes open that receiver on a pick play. Your first read should be there because that's the whole point. It's quick and snappy. You get it in the hands of your receiver as quick as you can, and he just walks in the end zone. KJ Hamler actually said he would walk into the end zone afterwards. He didn't really mince his words there. He seemed pretty upset. We saw him bang his helmet on the ground after the game. It was pretty rough. Um, there's only one window, and that – to throw it to. And when you pick that play, it's going to be successful, you know, nine times out of 10, as long as there's no offensive pass interference called. Um, it's right off the snap. You'd be looking that way when you snap the ball or at least look off of it for a split second. But the fact that he wasn't looking that way for KJ Hamler at all just didn't make any sense. I digress. Russell Wilson has been terrible for fantasy this year. He looked closer to what we wanted him to be last week at the end of the game uh, against Las Vegas, but against a very winnable um Against in a game that they could very easily have won against a defense that has been, you know, good but not great, he didn't look like himself again. Um, I do think he's capable of turning it around. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, whether it's Nathaniel Hackett, you know, there was some uh, suspicious play call, suspicious time management again at the end of the game. There wasn't very, there wasn't very much to be happy with with Russell Wilson. He has the weapons that he needs, but he's just not getting the ball to them. It, it's been really odd seeing you know the guy that we were calling Mr. Unlimited not just a year ago struggle this badly especially on an offense that's you know they're not devoid of weapons I mean they did lose Javante Williams but they're not 
out of weapons. So it, it's been a complete surprise. One of the worst surprises of the year so far has been Russell Wilson. And going back to what we were talking about, Naeem Hines missing time, the guys that replaced him, Deion Jackson, Philip Lindsay, they ended up carrying the load for the Colts in Jonathan Taylor's absence. I mean, we talked about the Broncos giving up a lot of yards per play uh, on a per carry basis, you know, on the episode yesterday. And both of the guys were relatively, relatively productive. I'd assume that Jonathan Taylor's back next week, unless this is truly a high ankle sprain. You know, there have been rumors that it might be a high ankle sprain coming in to this week, but we're not sure. He's kind of, he's kind of been walking the tightrope between a high ankle sprain, not high ankle sprain. There's been not much clarity around it. Um, if he does end up being out next week, I think Deion Jackson would be the play. Um, they, him and Philip Lindsay, they were splitting the early down roll, but he was really the primary passing down back. That gives him the edge. Uh, he also looked better than Lindsay did just carrying the ball. Not that Lindsay looked bad. He was playing against his former team. But I think Jackson not only has, you know, the advantage in terms of his talent and production, but also the coaching staff seems to have won him on the field more than Philip Lindsay. They did just call Philip Lindsay up to the active roster not long ago. Alec Pierce, you know, he was quietly, he had a quietly good evening last night. He, he might be worth the pickup this week. We'll see how things shake out the rest of the week into the next games on Sunday. But eight catches for 81 yards, you know, four, he had four catches for 80 yards last week. And then the week before that, he went three for 61. It's relatively solid, relatively consistent production. His target share has gone up in each of the last three weeks from 14 to 17 to 25% last night. Um, he seems to be building rapport. And, you know, the Colts are desperately in need of that wide receiver, too, behind Michael Pittman. Um, because Michael Pittman can't do it all. We saw he actually had a decent outing last night as well, Michael Pittman did. But um, it wasn't anything to be overly excited about. Like we said, there were no touchdowns in this game. So the ceiling for these fantasy players is really just cap. There wasn't much you could do about that. Melvin Gordon, he came through for the most part, and the opportunity is looking solid. He did share the work. 56% of snaps that he got. Mike Boone was the other back. Both were running routes at almost equal rate, and they were targeted at an equal rate. Boone himself had 10 opportunities to Gordon's 18. Gordon was one in, the one in the goal line formation. You know, he was getting the goal line snaps. Um, he was a primary early down guy, but Boone was impressive on the passing down. He was pretty good. That being said, you know, Gordon didn't look great. The usage was good, but his production wasn't very awesome. Uh, maybe we see the touches even out even more going forward. I think he'll be ranked as an RB2 in a good matchup against the Chargers. But early in the game, Gordon did have like six or seven carries, if I'm not mistaken, for about 12 yards. So it wasn't awesome efficiency that we saw from Melvin Gordon, but not, not anything you have to worry about. He'll be a solid fill-in for you, you know, for Javante Williams. This is kind of the production I'm expecting him to continue to have. He hasn't been – he doesn't have the ceiling now. It seems like they're still interested in having two running backs, you know, rotating the work between them. It does. It's not going to be the Melvin Gordon show. They trust the running backs behind him. So you can start Gordon with confidence, but not for his upside. You know, his floor will be there. That's about all he's going to give you. And that about covers it for last night. Um, not much to talk about from a fantasy perspective last night's game because it was just so low scoring, all field goals, and just a real snooze to watch. It was pretty depressing to see the Broncos fans running out at the end of regulation when it was tied. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. So we're going to open with our news now, a, a couple pieces of news that we want to talk about before we get into the rankings uh, here in the show. Amon Ross St. Brown, it doesn't look like he's playing. Josh Reynolds has been getting it done over the past two weeks in a big way, so he becomes a wide receiver three in his place. Um, Jared Goff seems to be tuning in and locking in on Josh Reynolds in relief of Amon St. Brown. And, um, you know, you can maybe attribute that to their connection back in L.A. Both of them came from the Rams over the past few off seasons. And, um, you know, Josh Reynolds, he looks good. He, he seems to be a reliable producer. I mean, last week, was, it was just one week, but it seems like Jared Goff is happy throwing him. He has a good chemistry, and he, he trusts him to catch the ball. So he'll have quality targets coming his way. At wide receiver three, I think that's where he's going to be, with upside, I might add. Kyle Pitts, he hasn't practiced this week with a hamstring injury. Um, if he doesn't play, you know, congrats. You just got more fancy points in your tight end position this week. I actually did think I saw a report earlier that Kyle Pitts is out this week. So your decision with who you're starting at tight end this week just got a whole lot easier, and it might be further better. Um, Pitts not being on the field might not I, – I, I don't think that having Pitts not on the field will not affect Drake London because it's not like Pitts was doing much when he was on the field. Um, Drake London's workload seems to be pretty locked in. Um, 
Kyle Pitts not being part of this offense, you know, it's not going to be anything di- different from what we've seen um, because he hasn't had the production. He hasn't even, even been targeted. You know, it, not much is going to change if you take out something that hasn't been existent from the offense, if that makes sense. Keenan Allen, he's also still not practicing. And this one's kind of been fickle. You know, he's been, we're not sure how he was going to be coming back from it, but it looks like he did tweak his hamstring late last week in practice when he went back on the injury report and um, things weren't looking good. That would explain him returning returning to a limited earlier last week and then not practicing at all after that point. Mike Williams should be in lineups, you know, regardless. You know, he might be hit or miss in games with Keenan Allen, but without Keenan Allen in the lineup, Mike Williams has been pretty solid. You can play Josh Palmer as a flex. He only ran a route on 59% of dropbacks last week, and it's probably because of an ankle injury, but he only saw a target on 4% of his routes last week. He's a bit banged up going in this game. He hasn't had a full practice yet, but the matchup is fine against Cleveland. As you know, last time that these two teams met, it was a track meet. Uh, we could see more of the same um, because, you know, that was with Baker Mayfield, at quarterback. So <laughs> if Baker Mayfield can have a track meet with the Chargers and Justin Herbert, then Jacoby Brissett can 100%. Gerald Everett, he got hit with a limited tag on Thursday, hamstring injury. Just keep an eye on it. You don't have to worry about it too much. Otherwise, you know, you could start him as you've been starting him as a low end tight end one. Um, we're waiting for his production to kind of fizzle out, but it really hasn't yet. You know, we talked about Donald Parham, his return kind of looming. It hasn't really happened just yet. And Gerald Everett seems to be a favorite target of Herbert's, regardless of who's on the field at wide receiver. So you can start him pretty confidently as long as he plays. Just keep an eye on it. I'm not expecting him to be out. I think he plays. So you should be good in that department. Both Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas, they've yet to practice. And it looks like it'll be another day of Andy Dalton. It's all right. You know, he's not bad. I think it's fine for Chris Olave. Um, we have him as a top 25 wide receiver this week. Um, we took Michael Thomas out of the rankings this week, assuming that he does not play. So moving forward, when we talk about the wide receiver rankings this week, you won't see Michael Thomas. That's because we're not anticipating him playing. Chris Olave should be fine. Andy Dalton, you know, you don't start Andy Dalton as a fantasy quarterback. He, his ceiling isn't very high. Um, I w- I'd look elsewhere if you're in need of a quarterback or a pinch hitter for yourself at quarterback. Um, I guess he could be all right, but I, I think there are plenty of other options out there. I wouldn't be starting Andy Dalton. Um, the only thing Andy Dalton does is preserve Chris Olave's floor. David Montgomery, he got in a limited practice. So there's a chance he's back. And as we know, that was a little bit of a surprise because we weren't expecting him to be practicing at this point. Um, he might be limited in terms of getting his full workload back. And, you know, Herbert has looked good and it's a good matchup. Um, for that reason, I think we're going to start Herbert if we had to pick between the two of them. Um, otherwise, you, you know, you really want to do your best to avoid this backfield um, this week, at least, because with Montgomery coming off an injury, the, the workload is guaranteed to be, you know, split a little bit more than we usually anticipate. As we know, Montgomery got the majority of carries before he went down, but this could be anyone's backfield and resemble something close to the Rams um, as, a, as their backfield has these past few weeks. It could look like that in Chicago um, this week. Rashad Penny, you know, we talked about him yesterday. Missing practice with a shoulder injury. Uh, he's back in practice. He should be good to go. Um, as long as nothing else happens, there's no other setbacks that he suffers. He'll be good to go. And you can start him in your lineup this week. Uh, we talked about Rashad Penny as a low-end RB2, maybe a mid-RB2 in some some matchups. His matchup isn't fantastic this week. I, I have him as a low-end RB2 personally. That's me. Hunter Renfro. Looks like he's going to be back this week for the Raiders, but he's really a PPR flex at best. Uh, he did see 10 targets in week two, so you don't really want to underestimate him. And we've seen him flash chemistry with Derek Carr, but there's plenty of other weapons on this offense. It's probably going to be a shootout, and that's where you really want to key in, where quarterbacks really like to key in on their uh, star receivers. So that would be Darren Waller and Devontae Adams territory. Um, you know, he he has a decent floor as a flex, but his ceiling isn't amazing, especially with the offense. And Derek Carr hasn't been playing fantastic as of late. So uh, PPR flex, that's where we have Hunter Renfro in our rankings heading into this weekend. C.D. Lamb didn't practice on Thursday. It was listed as a groin injury, but he's fine. It was just a rest day. He'll be good to go. C.D. Lamb himself said that he doesn't want to scare anybody. It's just a rest day that he's perfectly fine. So C.D. Lamb did show up on injury reports. If you got the sleeper notification saying that C.D. Lamb was out, you probably, you know, you know your heart skipped a beat. Uh, he's good to go. He should be good to go, assuming, uh, you know, all the reports are true, that he is fine.
Rashad Bateman, he's still not practicing. We left him out of rankings, assuming he's not playing with that foot injury that he has. Primary beneficiaries, like we said, you know, Devin Duvernay looks to be technically uh, the wide receiver one, um, the second best pass catcher in that offense behind Mark Andrews. So he should be in line for a, a slightly safer floor than what he's had this, this year so far. Um, he's been the big play threat. He's made his money off of deep catches and end zone targets. Uh, he, he, I think his floor is a little bit safer um, with Rashad Bateman sitting out. Jahan Dotson, he's still not practicing. I assume he's out, and we took him out of the rankings. Curtis Samuel has an illness, and he hasn't practiced yet. Players usually don't miss due to an illness, but just keep an eye on that. Um, it's happened a handful of times over the past few years, um, You know, obviously discounting anything about COVID. But um, Jahan Dotson not practicing, that, that's kind of big news to me. Um, Washington's going to be without, arguably, so far, he's been, I think, their best threat, at least in the red zone. You know, even with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel there, um, they're going to be missing one of their best threats in the red zone. So Jahan Dotson, he's a very good receiver. You know, he's just a rookie, but he's made an impact clearly in Carson Wentz's game. Um, Carson Wentz is looking for him early and often, much to the chagrin of Terry McLaurin owners and Curtis Samuel owners. But um, Jahan Dotson missing, you know, it, it might open up um, the, the ceiling a little bit for Terry McLaurin and um, Curtis Samuel. Isaiah McKenzie, he returned to practice. He's still in the concussion protocol, but that's a good sign for him. If he does end up going, I think you start him. Uh, there's no reason not to. Like we talked about at length over these past few episodes, you know, Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie, who would you start between the two? At this point, it has to be Isaiah McKenzie because he's the guy getting the targets. Uh, Gabe Davis, not so much. Uh, he hasn't gotten the targets and he's been running routes. You know, he ran 100%, I think it was 100% of routes last week and he couldn't get more than three targets. So, Isaiah McKenzie, if he's in, you know, start him. Um, he returned to practice. We're not sure if he's going to play, um, but this is a good sign. It's a much better sign than what we've seen um, coming out with other concussion injuries, obviously, with Naeem Hines and Tua being the prime examples. All right, and that about wraps up our news recap. Now we could get into the rankings here for this week, the week five wide receiver and tight end rankings. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And at number one, who else but cooper cup this guy gets it done week in week out regardless of the matchup regardless of the game script matthew stafford is looking his way every single time he snaps the ball every time he drops back to pass and that shows he had 19 targets last week i think it was 14 catches even in a game where they didn't score a touchdown he produced like the number one wide receiver on the year so cooper cup bonafide wide receiver one um, can't say enough good things about him for fantasy. He's the safest receiver week in and week out because Matthew Stafford um, just keys dials in on him so much. And it's it's worth noting, you know, you talk about Cooper Cup being the number one. Um, it doesn't leave much room for other receivers in the Rams passing game. Like Allen Robinson, he hasn't been he hasn't been much of a factor at all this season. And Ben Skoranek, we not that we expected him to, but as far as receivers, you know, Cooper Cup, he seems like to be he seems like he's doing all the work, and that's it. So it, it doesn't look to change anytime soon, especially with Matthew Stafford being under duress. He's going to look towards Cooper Cup to, you know, get him out, bail him out of bad situations, pressure situations. So um, Cooper Cup, start him as a, the number one wide receiver this week. Even against Dallas, they have a stingy defense. There's no reason to worry. He'll be fine. Stefan Diggs, number two. You know, he's got a pretty good matchup against Pittsburgh. They're allowing a lot of points to receivers. Um, this is in Buffalo at home. I think this game could get out of hand pretty quickly with Pittsburgh now starting Kenny Pickett. It's not a very good opening game for Kenny Pickett. So I feel like the Bills could be in a positive game script in this one from the get-go. And that might result in them either turning more towards the run game or even pulling Josh Allen at some point if they get up high enough. Um, hopefully Josh Allen is the one doing the scoring. Um, if, if they do get up to that point, Stefan Diggs, he should catch a touchdown if that's the case. But um, if, he, if he doesn't, you know, it, it could be a relatively quiet outing. We'll see how things shake out uh, in Buffalo on Sunday. Jamar Chase, in what Vegas has as the highest game total for the week in terms of over-under, you know, 
Jamar Chase should get plenty of opportunity from Ravens secondary, giving up the most fantasy points to wide receivers. This game has barn burner written all over it. It's going to be plenty of offensive production. Should be the opposite, you know, in prime time of what we saw last night um, between the Colts and the Broncos. This is two high-powered offenses, two very good quarterbacks, one in the MVP race in Lamar Jackson. Um, there should be plenty of fireworks. It's a divisional matchup. It's always a good game between these two. And last, I think I, I saw a stat somewhere last season in two games against Baltimore, it was the Bengals put up 41 points on average against the Ravens. So, you know, that tells you all you need to know about the success they've had recently with Joe Burrow and most of this offense, you know, against Baltimore in recent history. So this should be a high scoring game. Jamar Chase has that wide receiver one upside, uh, the weekly wide receiver one upside this week in a very good matchup against Baltimore. Justin Jefferson, you know, he, he had a very good week last week before um, he, had, he had one good week in week one, a good week in week four, and he sandwiched that with two rough weeks between weeks two and three. So we're not sure what Justin, Je Justin Jefferson is going to show up, but it's a good matchup against Chicago. Um, I could also see them going up early in this one because, you know, the Bears, they can't throw the ball at all. Um, so the Bears are going to be relying on the run game. If if the Vikings can get any sort of lead, um, they won't have much trouble holding on to it. Uh, with the way that Chicago plays offense, you know, they could end up taking a relatively decent amount of time off the clock, which could prevent this from becoming a, a super positive game script from for the Vikings because they won't be able to be on the field as much. It's a it's hard to project against the Bears because their offense is so unconventional and prehistoric. It's looking more like the Seahawks uh, offense that we've come to know, and it's you know hasn't changed. But um, you can lock Justin Jefferson in as wide receiver four, um, and he has the upside. He is an every week start, and you can't ever take him out. You can't ever worry about him because we we see what he can do when he takes over a game. Devontae Adams we have ranked at number five once again. Another divisional matchup, and what should be a lot of fireworks coming out between the Chiefs and Raiders. Devontae Adams, he, you know he finally got a target share close to what he got in week one after disappointing in weeks two to three, um, but he didn't score a touchdown. So it's interesting to see how they'll use him, what kind of utilization he'll get against the Chiefs. You figure the Chiefs will be putting up points in this one, so the Raiders are going to be playing catch-up, I'd imagine. You know, uh, last week, Josh Jacobs was able to ground and pound, and the, the Raiders were uh, in control of that game for the majority of the time that they were on the field. So... Devontae Adams, we know what he can be. If he gets that target share, you know, he has a very, very safe floor. Um, just like Justin Jefferson, that ceiling is there. You don't ever have to worry about having him in your lineup. Um, even despite Derek Carr, who I've um, called sidecar in the past, and even despite Derek Carr not playing his best football as of late, uh, the offense has a decently high upside, and that's all you need for Devontae Adams. Tyreek Hill, you know, I wouldn't be worried about Tyreek Hill at six. I wouldn't be worried about him. You know, playing with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater has got it done for wide receivers before. If you think back to when he actually made DJ Moore fantasy relevant, which we now understand is not necessarily a given with DJ Moore because Baker Mayfield can't do it. So <laughs> that tells you what you need to know about Teddy Bridgewater. He can get it done for fantasy. Tyreek Hill actually caught one of his longest passes of his career from Teddy Bridgewater last week. It was the longest completed pass in terms of air yards for the season. Tyreek Hill is a playmaker. And there's a chance, you know, this could be a closer game than a lot of us think. You know, Miami is a good team, but they're missing Tua. So the offense could be slightly less dynamic than it was with Tua at quarterback. And the Jets aren't, they're no slouch. You know, they're pretty good on offense. They, they look much better on offense than they have in recent years. I think they can keep this one competitive. And that's only good news for Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle follows Tyreek Hill right up at seven. So at six and seven, we have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. You know, just two very similar receivers, just relying on speed to get open. Deep shots of plenty should be coming. Even with Teddy Bridgewater, at quarterback, I think that we're going to be seeing plenty of points from Tiger Hill and Jalen Waddle. Both of them have proven to have very nice floors um, and the upside that we saw in week two against the Ravens. It's not necessarily there with Teddy Bridgewater, at quarterback, but there's no reason to think one of them can't achieve that. While the other one still has a solid outing. Uh, six and seven, that's where we have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. At eight, we have A.J. Brown. On the low, you know, this is a great matchup for A.J. Brown this week. 
Cardinals have given up the seventh fewest fantasy points to wide receivers overall. You might look at that and kind of be scared away, but they've actually given up the seventh most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers this year, which is primarily where AJ Brown has operated from on the Eagles offense this season. Um, you know, you have to expect Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense to continue rolling, even though Arizona hasn't been that bad on defense and have passed two and a half games roughly. They've actually picked it up a little bit and looked a lot better than they did in the first two weeks. But all signs point to the Eagles offense getting it done regardless of whether they win or lose this game ultimately. I expect the Eagles to win this game, but if they're winning, it's going to be because of the offense and A.J. Brown. You know, he has been a focal point of this offense. Um, even with Devontae Smith having that blow-up game and Miles Sanders taking over last week in that monsoon that they were playing in. So I, I like A.J. Brown at eight. C.D. Lamb, he's at nine. He makes a return to the top 10 following a pretty rough uh, stretch of games to open the season. You know, every week he's gotten better. He goes from, it was I think it was eight catches for 87 yards and a touchdown against the Giants, and then nine for 77 and a touchdown in week... Four, yeah, last week against Washington. And now this week he's going against the Rams, who have been uncharacteristically bad. Um, they are now two and two. Um, their defense has been all right, but the offense has been the main story for the Rams. CD Lamb should be able to work pretty well. He might draw Jalen Ramsey in coverage, which could limit his upside a little bit. We know Jalen Ramsey has been pretty pretty good in coverage against CD Lamb and against other wide receiver ones. So whether he gets shadowed or not, we'll have to see. But he gets hyper-targeted. C.D. Lamb has proven that he gets the targets. His target share has gone up. The Rams have given up the second most fantasy points to premier wide receivers this year. And C.D.'s running from all over. Um, it was about 50-50 split between the perimeter and the slot last week. He's going to have his chances to do his thing. 33% target share for the year. We know C.D. Lamb's going to get the targets, whether they're going to be quality or not. Um, he, he's The production is starting to catch up to the workload, though, which is a good sign. And that's why we have him at nine. And then at 10, you know, this happened. We ranked these players before Thursday Night Football. Uh, Michael Pittman, he looked like it was a, a pretty good matchup. You know, we know that he's the primary pass catcher on the Colts offense, despite the offensive line being in shambles at this point. But um, he didn't have a very bad outing. It was a solid outing. Maybe not top 10 performance, but it was it, it was enough to get the job done. You're not too upset if you started Michael Pittman. Um it's not exactly what you're looking for. You probably have him as your wide receiver one. If you have him as your wide receiver two, great. Um, but from a wide receiver one, um, it wasn't exactly what you were looking for. But I, I think 10 was pretty close. I think we'll see Michael Pittman settle in as the rest of the games go on as a high-end wide receiver two um, this week. That's where he'll finish for this week. All right. So for we have a question from Hike Then Shoot. Lockett or DK or both? So for me... It seems like Geno Smith is much more dialed in to throwing the ball and getting the ball to DK Metcalf than Tyler Lockett, which is kind of the opposite flip-flop it from what we saw last season with um, Tyler Lockett with Russell Wilson at quarterback. So DK Metcalf, you know, he has all the physical tools that you want. And Tyler Lockett's a little bit smaller, but he still gets the job done. I, I like DK Metcalf this week. I, I think in New Orleans, he's going to be uh, taking over, he's going to have to be taking over the game for the Seahawks to get the ball moving. And I think he's very capable of doing that. And Geno Smith has been one of the most accurate passers this year. So as long as Geno Smith's getting the ball towards DK and throwing the ball in general, I think both of them will be a decent start. But if I had to pick one, I would go with DK. Thank you for the question. I appreciate it. All right. And then I guess we'll, we'll jump in on another one. Sean, Sean Reed wants to know Alan Lazard or Josh Reynolds this week. I would go with Josh Reynolds because Aaron Jones, not Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers has been keying in on Romeo Dubs a little bit more and a little bit more each week. And he just said in a press conference last week that he trusts Romeo Dubs at wide receiver. Obviously, he trusts Alan Lazard too. But Reynolds, we just saw, also has a very good connection with Jared Goff. And Jared Goff likes to throw to Reynolds. And like we said, that could be attributed to their uh, Rams ties. They both came over from the Rams over the past few off seasons. And um, with Amon St. Brown out, Reynolds is a de facto wide receiver one. I would, I would start Reynolds in this situation 100%. All right, move on to the next slide of our wide receiver rankings. We have T. Higgins at 11. Um, we really meant to put T. Higgins at 10 before Thursday Night Football, we swear. Um, but, you know, it's just how it happened. He's now here at 11. We love his matchup for this week, like we talked about with Jamar Chase. The Ravens have given up the fifth most fancy points of perimeter, perimeter wide receivers. 
So make sure Higgins is locked in your lineup. And we saw him really just take advantage of the Miami Dolphins defense last week, too, on Thursday night. You know, Joe Burrow, he's starting to distribute the ball a little bit more. Where last season he was throwing, he was really dialing into Jamar Chase. This season he's been spreading the ball out, um, spreading the wealth, you could say. Um, T. Higgins has gotten just as many targets, just about as many targets. And he has, I think, I think their target share, he might actually be edging Jamar Chase in target share so far. So T. Higgins, you can definitely lock him in as, as pretty much a wide receiver one. He's a low-end wide receiver one for us in our rankings right now. Um, I think that's where he's going to finish because, like I said, we're expecting fireworks between Baltimore and Cincinnati. That's what we're going to see. Um, we, we like him at 11. Christian Kirk at 12. You know, he'll be matched up with Desmond King, which isn't necessarily ideal. Houston's been pretty solid against uh, slot-wide receivers. Um, but there's no reason to keep him out of your lineup. Uh, 26% target share for the year. You can temper expectations a little bit. You know, it, it, it could be a little bit difficult having the Jaguars offense coming off that rough performance by Trevor Lawrence, whether that affects him or not, or not last week against the Eagles. It remains to be seen. But, you know, Christian Kirk has been one of his go-to guys. Him and Zay Jones have really vied for the role of lead wide receiver in the Jaguars offense over the first few weeks. Um, I don't expect that to change. So he has a, he has a relatively safe floor. Um, and his upsides there is if he catches a touchdown, you know, his workload is enough that he'll be in the wide receiver one conversation this week. We have Cortland Sutton at 13, who, you know, despite getting the targets that we like and the air yards, it, it just they just haven't been quality targets coming from Russell Wilson. And we have him ranked at 13 because of the opportunity that he presents. And we know that he can get it done. He's actually been very consistent this year so far, um, even though it hasn't been spectacular production, he hasn't left you out to dry yet this year um, with his production because chances are you're starting him as a wide receiver too. If you have him at wide receiver too, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a good spot to be in with Cortland Sutton. Um, like, like I said, the targets just have not been there um, as far as quality goes. You got to hope that Russell Wilson gets that uh, together because Cortland Sutton, he gets the targets. He just he just hasn't had the production. And we've seen similar things like this happen before this season already with, like we said, C.D. Lamb. Um, his target share was great, but the targets weren't very high quality. But over time, they got a little bit better. Now we, the production is starting to catch up to the volume. So don't be starting. Don't be um, sitting Cortland Sutton or worry about Cortland Sutton just yet. Um, this offense still has strides to take. <laughs> it's hard to be optimistic after what we saw last night. But Cortland Sutton is probably one of the constants that you're going to find in fantasy football from that offense he, he'll produce for you week in and week out and he has upside it's just he has to reach it his floor is a nice at a nice spot where you can start him without worrying about him every week we have mike evans at 14 and we saw he finally had a blow-up game last week against the chiefs granted the bucks were really dialed in, in a passing game they pretty much abandoned the run game from square one uh leonard Fournette had negative three running yards so that tells you all you need to know but Mike Evans is clearly the number one guy. Even with Chris Godwin there, um, Mike Evans gets his own. And this is kind of what we expected. Tom Brady's throwing the ball, you know. We know the Buccaneers offense is going to be good. So Mike Evans, you can lock him on, lock him in again this week against Atlanta. A very good matchup. Even though he is going to probably be playing against A.J. Terrell, who did a good job of mitigating Amari Cooper's production, uh, Mike Evans is a different animal. And Tom Brady, much better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. So... We'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm, I'm expecting Mike Evans to turn in another, an, another nice performance this week. At 15, we have DK Metcalf. We just talked about him a little bit. And I actually said it on the podcast, I think two episodes ago, that I'm much more comfortable starting DK Metcalf with Geno Smith at quarterback than I was last season with Russell Wilson at quarterback. Because what Geno Smith has showed me is that he is looking and looking and looking. He's always looking to get the ball to DK Metcalf. And he's not afraid to throw it to him and let him go up and make a play. And that's worked to DK Metcalf's benefit. We saw in the deep deep connection that they had last week. Great pass, great catch. You know, DK Metcalf really making use, finally putting his skill set to good use with a quarterback that's trusting him to go get the football. Um, DK Metcalf, you know, we talked about him being a buy this week, even though it's not a buy low. He is still on the upswing. As long as the Seahawks offense keeps doing what he's doing, um, DK Metcalf should be a very nice addition to your lineup. Um, you don't have to sit him ever. You don't have to think about sit sitting him um, until further notice because this is a very good receiver where we thought about maybe sitting him after the first two weeks of pre pretty sad production, you know, seven points apiece in weeks one and two. He's turned it around and things are looking on the up and up with Geno Smith finally getting things together and completing, like I said, the most passes of any quarterback for the first four weeks. 
of the season of an NFL season. We have Mike Williams at 16. This again kind of lends itself to Keenan Allen being out. We know Mike Williams has a very safe floor with Keenan Allen up, but he hasn't really capitalized on the upside. It might be because he's not he's drawing the top corner now from the opposing defenses uh lineup. But Mike Williams, you know, with Justin Herbert throwing to him. Justin Herbert should be back fully if he wasn't last week from that rib injury. It doesn't seem like it's limiting him that much anymore. Um, Mike Williams should be a solid start. And like I said, Cleveland, their defense has been very suspect. Um, I think there's a chance that Mike Williams could go double up on touchdowns this week if things shake out correctly. So 16, you know, we're ranking him relatively conservatively. I think that Mike Williams has plenty of upside this week and has a chance to sneak in at a top 10, maybe even the top eight this week. That's my bold prediction. We have Marquise Brown at 17. So we see Marquise Brown. He finally did his thing last week and he's been getting the targets the whole season. It's just, it finally came together for him last week. Um, this could be a game that Arizona is playing from behind in a lot. This is against Philly. Philly gets ahead, you know. It, it can only really spell good things in terms of production for Marquise Brown. A negative game script means that Kyler Murray will be airing it out to him to get him the ball. I think that Marquise Brown has upside, although I think it's a bit limited because the Eagles defense, despite the Cardinals being possibly in a negative game script, the Eagles defense remains still very good. And if he's drawing guys like Darius Slay or even James Bradbury in coverage, it, it could be a rough outing for him. I think Marquise Brown's range of outcomes are one of the more spread out of, of the wide receivers that we have ranked here. But, um, the you know, his ceiling is very high, but the floor is also very low because this matchup could go either way. Um, either way, we have him as a mid-wide receiver, too. I think that's where he's going to settle at for this week. Devo Samuel, we have him at 18. And with Jimmy Garoppolo under center, you know, last week, he finally looked like Devo. He got his first touchdown of the season on that 57-yard catch and run where he just broke Jalen Ramsey. Um, he looked excellent last game, and I think that's going to kind of continue. This is a very, very nice matchup against Carolina in the early window. I, I think that the 49ers will take advantage early and often. They'll have the ball a lot with the 49ers defense, giving the Panthers and Baker Mayfield fits. Um, I think Debo Samuel have plenty of chances to score here. I like him. Actually, I might like him a little bit more than where we have him ranked at 18. I might move him up to 15 or 14, even above DK Metcalf, because Debo Samuel showed that he can get it done still um, on the air, through the air and on the ground last week. And he seems to be a better fantasy asset with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. So we'll be, we'll, I, I like Debo Samuel a little bit higher than 18. I, I might move him, consider moving him up above DK Metcalf at 15 or 14, something like that. Tyler Lockett, we have at 19. He's only four spots behind DK Metcalf where we have him at 15. Um, Geno Smith, like we said, a lot of this uh, high ranking for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett lends itself to Geno Smith just playing very good, very efficient football. And as long as that's continuing to happen, you can rank these guys both as top 24 wide receivers, as we did with Russell Wilson at quarterback um, when he was doing his thing in Seattle. So Tyler Lockett, you know, uh, it, it's going to be a pretty good matchup. If they're playing against Andy Dalton, it's going to be a very winnable matchup, which means I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I think both of these guys are liable to have big their, their big plays. Both of them will have production that you won't be upset with, but I think DK Metcalf, we have him ranked higher because of his upside just being a little bit higher. He's shown a little bit more connection with Geno Smith and Tyler Lockett. But that's not to say that Tyler Lockett can't get it done. Uh, we have him as a low wide receiver too this week. I, I think that's I think that's about fair. We have Curtis Samuel at 20, rounding out our top 20. Um, with Jahan Dotson out, you know, you kind of give a boost to the rest of the uh, commanders pass catchers, especially against Tennessee, who's been a pretty rough defense against the pass. You remember they allowed that massive game to Stefan Diggs earlier in the season. And they actually did a good job of shutting down Devontae Adams was it two weeks ago or three weeks ago? So they know the formula to shut down the number one wide receiver. But um, outside of that, when Devontae Adams was shut down, you know, Matt Collins had the big day. So it's it's a rough it's a rough passing defense that Tennessee is fielding. Um, this could provide a great opportunity for Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin to get right and get their production back to where we want it to be. And Carson Wentz to kind of settle back in after two weeks on the outs, um, being banged, banged up, being – throwing around in the pocket, running for his life. Uh, this could be a good get-right game, at least for the commander's offense. So Curtis Samuel at 20 feels about right. The way they've been using him is just a little bit better than Terry McLaurin. Um, it is worth noting that Carson Wentz's connection with Curtis Samuel seems a little bit stronger even 
than Terry McLaurin, which, you know, again, much to the chagrin of Terry McLaurin owners, he seems to be kind of avoiding Terry McLaurin at this point. His production hasn't been there. So we'll see if, the, if that continues for this that's in this week. Let's see. So we'll, we'll take a question here from the Joker. We have a question. Ramondre Stevenson or Jeff Wilson Jr. for flex full PPR. I think if you want to go for upside, you, you would put Ramondre Stevenson in. Jeff Wilson has been a sure thing. His floor has been there, but his upside is kind of capped. Um, the def- the offense in San Francisco is not amazing. Ramondre Stevenson is probably going to be leaned on very much this game because they don't have Brian Horror and they don't have Mac Jones, so they're going to be relying on a rookie quarterback who's probably going to be checking it down a lot. I'd look for Ramondre Stevenson's pass-catching ability and his upside in that department to kind of carry him to a pretty good finish this week, at least higher than Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson will have a good week. He's shown that he's kind of the clear running back in, in San Fran, but the volume hasn't been exactly what we want it to be. And it's kind of what we expect it to be in San Fran. You know, we never expected any San Francisco running back to get any type of, you know, workhorse workload where they're going to be taking 25 carries a game. But the 15 carries he's getting has been plenty enough for him. His talent is good enough to get you a touchdown here or there um, for flex. So I, I would start Ramondre Stevenson this week. We'll go to the third slide of our wide receiver rankings. We're going at 21. We have Amari Cooper, my start of the week last week that failed miserably. One catch for nine yards, I think it was, last week for Amari Cooper against Atlanta. Obviously, he was being shadowed most of the day by A.J. Terrell, who looked much more like the A.J. Terrell that we saw. But this is a very good matchup here, too, against the Chargers. It should be a high-scoring game. I'm anticipating another high-scoring game between these two uh, teams. Amari Cooper is a very good receiver, and Jacoby Brissett has been looking his way. When he, when Jacoby Brissett looks Amari Cooper's way in a game, he looks his way. He gets plenty of targets, but when he's not, he's not. And that's the way it's been for Amari Cooper since he even got to Dallas. He has been very hot and cold with his target share in games. He's never been very consistent, but his upside is just so high that you know starting him at wide receiver three or flex is going to make him your best bet at that point because if he has a bad week, you know, tough luck. But if he has a good week, you know, it could very well win you your week. He In the, in the two games that he's done very well and he's eclipsed 100 yards and a touchdown. So you don't want to leave that upside on your bench. We have him as a low wide receiver too. Um, it's just slightly lower than we had him last week. But Cooper is still a good wide out and, and a nice fantasy asset moving forward. At 22, we have Devontae Smith. You know, A.J. Brown is the primary target getter in this offense and Jalen Hurts has been airing it out a little bit more. We saw the connection that they flashed two weeks ago with Devontae Smith going over 30 PPR fantasy points. Um, that upside might not necessarily be here. Like I said, if the Eagles would get ahead, they might shy away a little bit more from the passing game. Um, we saw Miles Sanders can get it done in, on the ground, even in the rain last week. So any type of game script that would be positive for these for the Eagles um, might not spell very, much, very well for Devontae Smith. But... If the Cardinals offense can keep up, this could very well become a shootout. And then Devontae Smith could be very fantasy relevant. Um, I think Devontae Smith will be ranked here. I think he'll finish as a low end wide receiver too if he can score a touchdown. Otherwise, I think that he might be a little bit high in these rankings. I move him down right around 28 or 29. Um, just for my taste, he's a little bit high. But I, I think that the upside is certainly there. This is ranking him pretty high though. We have Terry McLaurin at 23. Uh, we just talked a little bit about him, how Carson Wentz hasn't really dialed in to him this season yet. But now with Jahan Dotson out, who's been the primary touchdown catcher, you know, he's thrown Carson Wentz has thrown four touchdowns to Jahan, to Jahan Dotson. Um, that's kind of taken Terry McLaurin's ceiling from here to here, high to low. If he can get back to targeting Terry McLaurin again, uh, he should be fine. I think the matchup is good enough against a bad Tennessee defense. And, you know, there's less competition for targets in this offense going into this week that Terry McLaurin can be a top 24 wide receiver. We just have to see it happen. I think it'll boost a lot. Of, it'll give a lot of confidence, not only to Terry McLaurin, but also Carson Wentz moving forward if they can get him involved. And then fantasy owners would be much more confident starting him at, at, um, in, in their lineup week in, week out. Terry McLaurin, I, I look at him much like Amari Cooper. We know what the upside is. We're just waiting for it to hit. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I think he has a good chance to capitalize this week on a good matchup. Drake London has quietly been a very good fantasy wide receiver, and that's why we have him at 24. He rounds out our wide receiver two conversation. Just above Chris Olave, who we have at 25. 
two rookies who are doing very well. Chris Olave obviously getting the air yards and Drake London getting more of the true production. He had a rough week last week, Drake London did, but he should get back to business here against Tampa Bay. They are a tougher defense, but you know if the Falcons are playing from behind, they're going to have to get the ball and air it out to somebody. And with Kyle Pitts out this week, his ceiling might be just a little bit higher. I like Drake London to score a touchdown in this game, and he should be good. I like him as your wide receiver too. And if, you can, if you're starting him at flex, even better. Drake London is a very good fantasy asset. And then we talk about Chris Olave. He seems to have been matchup proof so far um, and quarterback proof. You know, he, he's produced well with James Winston and Andy Dalton at quarterback. So I think you can slot him in very nicely as wide receiver three um, each and every week with wide receiver two upside. Uh, the Saints offense obviously isn't that good and they're, offensive the ceiling is a little bit capped missing their playmakers between Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas but Chris Olave seems to be a constant for the Saints passing game and he should be good to go you can slot him in as a wide receiver three high-end wide receiver three with low end with not low end but just break just mid wide receiver two upside I think this week against Seattle and, and, and against the Seattle defense that's been pretty good so far and we just got a news report you know I just got a banner coming up across my um screen here that Jahan Dotson is officially out this week. So you can sat, you can safely say that Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel will, will perform a little bit better, um, that their rankings at 2023 are solidified. They're locked in. You can lock them in your lineups this week. They have good upside. We have Josh Reynolds at 26. We talked a little bit about him earlier when we answered the one question. So Josh Reynolds, you know, Jared Goff is tuning in. He's dialing into him. Josh Reynolds has he actually produced very well last week. Um, it is a tougher matchup against New England in New England, but this Lions offense looks much better than it has in recent years. And despite the fact that they're missing him on St. Brown and DeAndre Swift, um, they they seem they show him that they can take over and be the primary producers for this offense. I actually like Detroit to win this game, and New England is actually favored in this game, which surprises me. So I, I'm not sure what Vegas is seeing. But I see a strong offense going into a matchup with a Patriots team that's deflated after an overtime loss with a rookie quarterback. I think the Lions can find success here, and Josh Reynolds could be a big part of that. I think this is a little bit being a little bit conservative with his ranking at 26. Obviously, he won't be this high moving forward as the season goes on once Amon St. Brown comes back and DeAndre Swift come back. But at this point, you know, I think he's a low-end wide receiver too. I think 26 might be a little bit low. We have Deontay Johnson at 27, and this – Kind of comes on the heels of Kenny Pickett, you know, almost hyper-targeting George Pickens um, late last week in the game. Obviously, Pickett threw three interceptions. He was airing it out. Um, Deontay Johnson, we know the talent that he is. He just hasn't had the targets. Um, I'm not expecting much to change. I, I You don't want to bet too much on Deontay Johnson's upside. At this point, you're starting him for his floor. Um, but I, I, I don't think that he's going to have a very fantastic week um, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting one, but, um, they're playing against Buffalo. Buffalo can make life very hard for Kenny Pickett. Deontay Johnson is not going to be, um, a humongous fancy producer this week. I don't think if Buffalo could get on Kenny Pickett early, then Deontay Johnson might have a very quiet outing. I'm not much in love with starting any Pittsburgh wide receivers this week just because of the matchup. But if you're going to start one, it'd have to be Deontay Johnson. In deep leagues, maybe you can consider starting George Pickens, but Deontay Johnson is the one to start this week, and his ceiling is not very high. That's why we have him at 27. Romeo Dubs comes in at 28. We talked about Aaron Rodgers, you know, building a little bit of trust with him, and he's looked good the past two weeks. He's got solid target shares. His floor seems to be rising a little bit. Ceiling isn't there just yet. Alan Lazard is on this offense still, and, you know, the, the Packers offense still has to, you know, buff out some scratches and figure out how to get to that high level that they've been playing out, playing at with Aaron Rodgers under center. But Romeo Dubs could be a big part of that. We have him at 28. This is being conservative, I think. It, it'll be interesting to see how Romeo Dubs gets deployed. At 29, we have Juju Smith-Schuster in a game against Las Vegas. Um, we've been talking about how he's had the targets. You know, he's, he's had the target share every week. The production just hasn't come yet. We're waiting for that game to come. This could very well be it. Another divisional matchup, like I said. We talked about Devontae Adams earlier benefiting from that. Um, Patrick Mahomes is a very good quarterback. You just have to wait for him to key in on Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit more. I think this could be the game that happens, especially if it becomes a shootout. Um, 
This could be a Juju breakout week. If not, then it might be time to begin wondering, is Juju Smith-Schuster really someone that we're going to have in our lineup each and every week? Because at, as of late, Patrick Mahomes has been targeting the running backs much more than you know wide receivers. The running backs have been involved very much in the Chiefs offense, which is something that we didn't really expect. So Juju Smith-Schuster could be suffering from that, but we'll see how things go for him moving forward. I think he's going to have a big week. This is being a conservative rank. Uh, this is a conservative ranking for Juju Smith-Schuster heading into week five. And we round out our top 30 with Brandon Cooks, who had a good week last week. They were playing from behind a lot. The Texans were behind the against the Chargers last week. But Brandon Cooks has the talent, and I'm a big Brandon Cooks guy. I was a big Brandon Cooks guy this whole offseason. It hasn't really come to fruition, the production that we were projecting for him. Davis Mills has looked worse than he did um, last season, this season. So you can attribute... Brandon Cook's uh, um, inability to produce with the low ceiling that um, Davis Mills has afforded him. But um, Davis Mills, they have they draw a decent matchup against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's defense is good, but um, I think this is a game that they could very well be in, and Brandon Cooks could be a factor in. Um, if the ball is being moved to the air, chances are it's going to be to Brandon Cooks. That's the way it's been this season. So you can pencil him in. I'm, I'm starting him this week as a flex. Um, nothing higher than that. I think that his ceiling right here is wide receiver three. Um, Jacksonville could take over this game pretty easily. Um, Davis Mills has had a rough time just getting anything done this season. All right, let's see. We'll answer a question from Biggs B, Kirk, Waddle, or Gabe Davis. So this is a tough one. I would rule Gabe Davis out of this one because this is a – out of this decision because this is a matchup that I see the bills going up very early in, and they're not going to have to air it out very much. And that's where Gabe Davis has exclusively made his production so far this season. So I would rule Gabe Davis out of this when it comes, comes down to Kirk and Waddle, even though Tyreek Hill is on the offense and Teddy Bridgewater is a quarterback. Waddle has a very nice floor. Um, you know, the, the Texans defense has been, decent you know they haven't been that bad christian kirk's playing against them um they've been decent against uh slot receivers but um i, I like waddle in this situation i would start waddle um i'm assuming this is for your wide receiver two position so i, I I'd, I'd be happy having any of these guys as a flex but for wide receiver two i would put i would start waddle in this case all right we'll move on to tight end rankings you know the big two for tight ends has been Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. And that's about it. We have Mark Andrews at one against Cincinnati and Travis Kelsey at two against Las Vegas, two of the matchups that we've keyed in on to be big fantasy games. Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey are almost locks to get it done this week and to finish one and two respectively. Um, none of these other tight ends. We saw TJ Hawkinson do his thing. We haven't ranked at six last week, but that's not going to be an every week thing. Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey are much more consistent and their ceilings are much higher. I like, I like both of them heading in as one and two, respectively, Andrews and Kelsey. Dallas Goddard, we have at three. And we had him at three last week, too. And he, he came through, um, not 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 in the way that we really wanted him to, but he did catch that touchdown. So Goddard was fine last week, and he should be good this week against Arizona. Um, you know, he'll be playing against his former mentor, Zach Ertz. You know, Zach Ertz will be playing against his former team, who we have ranked at four. Um, these are two good tight ends that have been getting it done, regardless of game script. Regardless of the opponent, you've been able to start these guys with confidence, uh, three and four, and they round out really the guys are confident starting. One, two, three, four, Andrews, Kelsey, Goddard, and Ertz. These are the guys that you're confident starting. Outside of that, it's a bit of a crapshoot. It's been a bit of a crapshoot so far this season. So these guys are the ones uh, you can count on producing week in, week out. One, two, three, four. At five, we have Tyler Higby. And we've been a little bit reluctant to rank him uh, as high as we have him right now. We have him as a tight end five this week. Tyler Higby, you know, he's been getting hyper-targeted alongside Cooper Cup. It hasn't been the receivers outside of Cooper Cup that's been getting the targets. It's been Tyler Higby getting the targets. He hasn't been supremely efficient with these targets. Um, his production has been pretty modest, actually, in my opinion, given the volume that he's getting. But Tyler Higby with the workload that he's getting until he's not getting it, it's hard to rank him as anything lower than tight end five. Um, he's had double digit targets. I think three out of four weeks might be two out of four weeks, but regardless, it's much higher than what we expected. Um, he's a focal point of the offense and he's not necessarily getting things done 
on his own, but it's just the fact that he's getting the targets from Matthew Stafford that's making him fantasy relevant. As long as he continues to do that, he'll be fine. And like I said, we have TJ Hawkinson at six. I'm not expecting a massive blow-up game, especially against a better defense in New England, and they'll, and they'll be on the road. But um, he can he still has the chops to get it done, you know, with Amonra St. Brown being out and DeAndre Swift being out, the two, two primary pass catchers in this offense. TJ Hawkinson may finally have room to breathe, finally have room to get some target share going his way and he can produce uh the talent it's never been a question of talent it's just been the usage so we'll see how things go if he can produce for a second straight week in a row he might work himself in a conversation of every week fantasy starter um you know very safe starters like i talked about earlier between andrews kelsey goddard and Ertz. darren waller we have at seven you know he's been the, the targets have been there and then they haven't and then they've been there again uh he, he's playing very much He's getting the same workload and playing very similar to what he was last season, which is inconsistent with a relatively high floor, but a relatively low ceiling. Um, he is like the definition of low end tight, tight end one. I, I, I like him to produce to that level this week, if not better. I think this is a relatively conservative ranking, especially having Tyler Higby over him. Um I think he has the capability this week to finish in the top three, given his matchup against Kansas City. But I think we'll stick with him at seven just because he has been a little bit inconsistent so far this season. Gerald Everett, we have at eight. We're kind of riding the momentum with him. You know, we've been waiting for Donald Parham to come back, but that hasn't happened just yet. We talked about him a little bit earlier. He did get that injury designation, but he should be fine. I'm locking him in as a low end tight end one every week until things change. Justin Herbert likes to throw to him. That's clear, especially with Keenan Allen out. Once Keenan Allen comes back, we could see this ranking dip a little bit. But until then, we have him as a tight end eight on the week. Uh, I think he could very easily meet that expectation. Pat Frymuth, we have at nine. Uh, we've seen him get the targets, but it, it's it, it's just such a bad offense in Pittsburgh. You know, someone has to catch the passes if it's not going to be Deontay Johnson or George Pickens. Pat Frymuth, he has the upside. We've seen him get used in the way that he needs to be to be a solid fantasy tight end. Um, the matchup against Buffalo isn't great. I think he might be a little bit high in these rankings, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Uh, I might consider putting a couple guys over him. David Njoku, I think, is an easy answer, who we have at 10. I might flip-flop them definitely right now. I, I would put David Njoku at 10, especially matched up against the Chargers. He's been getting it done. Um, and Jacoby Brissett, you know, he see if he's not targeting Amari Cooper, he's targeting David Njoku and vice versa. So if it's David Njoku's week, you know, he can win you your week. Otherwise, he's very boom-bust. but um. That's kind of what you want at this point. If you don't have any of the top guys and your tight end position's open, you know, David Njoku is a guy I don't have a problem starting, even with the risk of a low floor that he presents. All right, we're going to try to go through these last few rankings pretty quickly. One notable name at 11, we have Kyle Pitts. Um, this happened, we ranked this obviously before Kyle Pitts was ruled out, but um, you don't have to worry about anybody stepping in and taking Kyle Pitts' spot. Um, like I said, him being out just makes your decision easy. You don't have to worry about thinking, oh, is this going to be the week that Kyle Pitts finally shows up? No, he's out. So you can actually take that mental strife off of yourself, off your shoulders, and go roll with somebody else that has upside this week. You might be able, even be able to stream a tight end and get more points than you would have with Kyle Pitts at this point. The usage has been, just been very disappointing. Maybe he'll figure something out while he's out and come back and get some targets. But Kyle Pitts so far has been like the disappointment, I think of the fantasy football season so far at 12 we have george kittle 13 we have tyler conklin 14 dawson knox and 15 we have logan thomas it's interesting seeing george kittle this low but even last week when he came back he didn't get very many targets um despite being on the field for most of the game for the san francisco with jimmy garoppolo under center um i know a couple stats that were being thrown around earlier were you know that george kittle would thrive with trey lance a quarterback because trey lance hyper targeted tight ends but obviously trey lance is injured jimmy garoppolo is a much different quarterback um, I, this is a conservative ranking for George Kittle, but I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of falls into this territory with a high end tight end, too. Um, his production seems to be pretty limited, and Carolina's defense isn't that bad against tight ends. At, 15, at 16, 17, 18, we have Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst, and Will Disley. Will Disley has quietly been getting it done, too, in the red zone. He's been making his money there. Uh, Geno Smith has looked for him early and often. In three out of four games, I think he has a touchdown from Geno Smith. So, Will Disley. You know, showing why he can that he can actually contribute to the fantasy equation, even with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett there. 
And again, this goes back to Geno Smith playing good football. So as long as Geno Smith is playing good football, you could even start Will Disley in a pinch at your tight end position. His ceiling isn't necessarily that of David Njoku or George Kittle, but he's a fine start this week against New Orleans. At 19-20, rounding out our top 20, we have Irv Smith and Robert Tunyon. We saw Irv Smith get it done a little bit last week, but the ceiling still hasn't been there. Um, he's looking more and more like just a low-end tight end too each week. And Robert Tunyon, you know, we said the targets are there. It just has to produce. He plays early on Sunday. It'll be interesting to see if he gets used more. That about does it for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you for sticking with me. Even with Faraz not here, you know, he'll be back next week. He's just dealing with work. Uh, good luck, guys, going to your matchups this weekend. Um, hopefully you guys win. Don't start Kyle Pitts. Remember, he's out. And, um, yeah, it, it makes your life very easy. So thanks, you guys, for listening. If you guys could, you know, like, subscribe to the podcast and just, you know, you know, leave a review, we'd really appreciate it. We appreciate you guys taking your time to come out, um, get on here and listen to us. So thanks again, and we will see you guys next week. Good luck on your fantasy football adventures this weekend. See ya.